How are you all this morning? Very good. Thank you for coming. I'm so excited today, and I'm so nervous today. <laughs> I can't believe that Brother Rodney had asked me to come and, and fill the pulpit. I like that expression better. It sounds better. It sounds better than, than, than come and preach to me. But thank you for being here. My father's here, my dad. He's 86. He's going to be 87 next, uh, this coming November here in a couple of, couple of months. And I've seen him and I've heard him talk several times about different preachers that are coming in view of a, of a, of a church, of a calling. And, and I've heard him say, now, what kind of license do you have? Do you have like a 20-minute license to preach? You got a 30-minute license to preach? Or do you have a whole hour license to preach? Well, Pop, I don't know what I have. <laughs> I'm just here hoping that God uses me. And I know he will. I'm a deacon here at the church. My name's Charlie Carnes. That's not important. But what is important is that we glorify God today and that we listen for his word and for his calling, that our hearts and our ears are sensitive to him today. Amen. And I ask you today, if you're in agreement with me and whatever that's said today, don't be afraid to say amen. Don't be afraid to say amen. In Mark 4, verse 35 through 41, it reads, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let's go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall, a storm, came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care? Don't you care if we drown? And Jesus got up. He rebuked the wind. And he said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down. And it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, <clears throat> why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified. And they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Jesus' ministry at this time is in full motion. He's teaching, he's healing, and he's guiding his disciples. Jesus had been teaching along the Sea of Galilee. The people had been listening to Jesus teach many parables, wanting to hear his words and wanting to be healed by Jesus. They started to press in against him. Jesus was there by the water's edge. 
And as they continued to press in against him, wanting what Jesus had, Jesus got into a boat, and he went out into the water a little ways near the shoreline, and he taught them. Jesus had finished teaching and asked his disciples to go into the boat. And he said, let's get into the boat and let's go to the other side. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you again for this time that we can come together in your name to worship you, to hear a word from you. Father, we're in different chapters of life. All through this auditorium, we're experiencing different things. We may be in a joyous moment right now in our lives, or we may be hurting. Dear Lord, you know us. You know where we're at. And Father, I pray that you'd speak right now, today, to each one of us to draw us closer to you. For it's in Jesus' name, amen. Now, the Sea of Galilee is actually a large, fresh lake. It's a water lake, fresh water lake, and it would take about two hours to cross, depending on what part of the lake that you cross. The lake has a surface area of about 64 square miles. It is 157 feet deep in certain areas. It extends 13 miles from the north to the south and about seven miles from east to west. It's in a pear shape. And Jesus said to his disciples, get into the boat. Let's go to the other side. Jesus was probably tired. Ministry is tough work, isn't it? I'm not talking about the ministers that we have in our church, like Brother Rodney and, and, and several others. But how about you, Mom? How about you, Dad? How about your ministry of taking care of your family? Those that need you. Those that count on you. The dad or the mom at work bringing home the bacon, so to speak putting clothes on others' back, putting a roof over their head? How about the people at work, your co-workers that need you, the neighbor that you're taking care of, others that you minister to? It's tough work, and it's tiresome work, isn't it? And Jesus was no different. He was fully human as, as well as being fully God, but the human side, of him was tired. But he told his disciples, get into the boat. And let's go to the other side. With him were his disciples. A few of these guys that I'll name that you probably know well is Andrew. And Peter, and James, and John, 
James and John were called the sons of thunder. You don't just get that nickname for no reason, do you? <laughs> Can you imagine that Jesus probably affectionately but truthfully nicknamed them the sons of thunder? They were ruffians. They were amazing and colorful characters, men. They wouldn't back down from a confrontation. Matter of fact, they might look for a confrontation. They were that kind of men. They could be very aggressive and very assertive. But at that time, that was the chapter of life that they were in. But God transformed them. Peter, tough, hard-headed. He's the guy that cut the Roman soldier's ear off, right? Protecting Jesus, he thought. And Jesus said, no, 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 <laughs> we're not gonna, it's not gonna work this way. Picked it up and put it back on the Roman soldier's ear. But that's the kind of guy that Peter was. These were tough men, fishermen, men of the world. When we think about godly men, many times we think about little church mice kind of men, right? Not these guys. These guys that give Patrick Yeoman and Paul Neal and some of these big guys run for the money, I bet, right? <laughs> these were men. And they, and they become men of God. They were outspoken leaders in time and boldly proclaimed the gospel of Christ. Jesus asked them to get into the boat. And let's go to the other side. I want to pick up again here in the scripture reading that we just read. <clears throat> in verse 37, a furious squall, which is a storm, came up and waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Does the world's challenges, pressures of the world, your issues, your worries, your fears, does the challenges of the world splash the water into your boat? Do you feel like you're sinking in this world of sin that we live in? In verse 38, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. He was tired. The disciples woking from his sleep. Can you imagine Jesus being in the same storm that the disciples were in? And they were afraid. But Jesus is asleep. I wonder if Jesus quoted the verse in Psalms 4, 8 before he laid down to go to sleep. I wonder if he quoted this verse, I would lie down 
and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. And he's out. But the disciples, they were quite the opposite. They were quite awake, trembling in fear and afraid of the storm. Now, these are fishermen. These, these guys knew what a storm was. They knew the waters of, Lake, of the Sea of Galilee. And this one scared them to the point that they thought that they were going to die, and they woke Jesus up, and they asked him, Teacher, don't you care? Don't you care? If we drown, you ever feel that way in your life? That I'm swallowed up by the world's problems? I'm consumed by worry and fear? Jesus, don't you care? I can only imagine that when he woke up and, and they asked him this, don't you care, Jesus? I can only imagine. Jesus may have thought, if you only knew. If you only knew if that I cared. If you only knew where I come from. Heaven, seated by the right hand of God, enjoying life in heaven. And I come down to be born as a baby in this sinful world. And I've come in the near future to die on the cross for you. And you're asking me, do I care? He got up, and Jesus rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. I can only imagine. Probably one of the biggest waves coming, and that ship was at the top of the, of the wave. And Jesus said, quiet, be still. And I imagine that boat went, mm, immediately. The wind stopped. And if it was something like you or I, we probably thought, oh, man, we need a little wind because otherwise we're going to have to row. That's how we are, aren't we? But Jesus calmed their storm. And he calmed their hearts. He calmed their souls. But he asked them, he asked his disciples, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Haven't you witnessed all the things that I've just got through doing? I've been healing people. I've been teaching people people I've been teaching you I've healed the sick you've witnessed this these disciples are like you and I aren't they but sometimes things happen to you or I even though we're in the center of God's will they were in the boat with Jesus Jesus asked them, get in my boat, and let's go to the other side, and they did. They were in the center of God's will, and look where they are now. They're in the middle of some lake in a big storm, worried that they're going to die, but Jesus 
said, get in the boat and let's go to the other side of the lake. He didn't say, let's go halfway and then I don't know, right? Let's get in the boat and let's go to the other side. They were afraid of the storm. But in, in verse 41, it says that they were terrified after they saw and experienced what Jesus did for them. They asked each other, who is this? That even the wind and the waves obey him. They were afraid of the storm, but they were terrified of Jesus. I want to talk for a few minutes about a man of faith, a young man of faith. Teenagers, young folks, David and the Goliath is the story that I want to mention to you quickly. David was young. He was a a child of eight boys. He had seven brothers, and he was the baby. He was given the task of taking care of the family sheep. He was a shepherd, and that was a lowly job back then. And David, being the baby, the family sent him off to take care of the family sheep. But as he took care of those sheep, he come across a lion that come and threatened the sheep. And he was able to kill the lion because he had a great faith in God. A bear came and tried to kill the sheep. And because of his great faith in God, he killed that bear. David was a godly young man who had a tremendous faith in God. Three of the brothers were at war in Saul's army. They were fighting the Philistines. And David was given the job by his father to take food to the front lines, to feed his brothers and some of the other soldiers. And so when David went to go and do that task, he was there in the morning time, and he got to see the Philistine army come out on the side of the hill, and the Israelites, whom his brothers were fighting for, were on the other side of the hill, and they come down to this valley, and they did all their saber rattling. And there was this giant of a man named Goliath. Goliath was a giant. He was nine feet tall. He had a coat of armor that, that draped his body that weighed 125 pounds. Can you imagine? For some of my farmer friends and hunters and, and, and folks that maybe live in the backwoods, 125 pounds, that's two and a half sacks of feed. Can you imagine 
carrying two and a half sacks of corn, 125 pounds, and this giant of a man could carry it on his body to go to war. His spear point alone weighed 15 pounds. He was a mighty warrior. And he come out for 40 days straight, and he would scream and yell and trash talk Israel and their soldiers. And he would taunt them, come on, let's fight. Send somebody out. I'm ready. And whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear, according to 1 Samuel 17, 24. God's chosen people feared Goliath, the giant. And then, young folks, here comes David. Young David. And he heard what was going on. And he said, what is this? This uncircumcised Philistine that's coming up against the Israelite army? The children of God? Trash talking them? That's my words, by the way. That's not in the Bible. But you get the meaning. David spoke to Goliath. He mentioned Goliath talking to him and focused on him a couple of times. The author of the book that we're studying Sunday school right now, he said that eight times in this book, he talked about his God. Twice to Goliath, eight times in reference to his God. His focus was on his God. His focus wasn't on the giant. And I ask you today, when you face your giants of today, where's your focus? Is it on the giant? Is it on your problem, your challenge, your worry, your fear? Or is it on the God that you serve? Amen. David's focus was on the God that he served. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I, I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Amen. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. The Philistines, and I like this verse. The Philistine, this is in verse 48, 1 Samuel 17, 48. As the Philistine moved closer to attacking David ran quickly to the battle line to meet him. Can you imagine? If we faced our giants as David faced Goliath, coming in the name of the Lord, coming in the mighty name of the Lord, running to the battle line to face our giant, David had great faith in God. David had picked up some stones and he put them in, put them in his little, little bag there. 
and he had a sling. And he reached in and he grabbed one of those slings, one of the stones, and he put it in the sling. And there was Goliath, nine foot something, 125 pounds of armor, big old helmet on his head, big old spear and javelin, had a shield bare in front of him. And David had his rock. He had his sling, and he said, I'm ready because I'm coming. I'm coming in the name of the Lord. And he hit him right there. And his giant fell. And when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and they ran. It reminds me of verse that's in James 4, 7. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. How do you face your giants today? Do you run from them when you're confronted? Or do you come in the name of our Lord, God Almighty, as a child of God? Daniel, in the lion's den, another great man of faith, Daniel was in the position of high authority and was being considered for a promotion by King Darius. But Daniel's co-workers didn't like Daniel. Daniel was a man of God. He submitted and was committed to his God. And his co-workers plotted against Daniel, but they couldn't find any wrongdoings in Daniel. And they said, the only thing that we have to go on is having to do something with the law of his God. So this group went to King Darius and said, how about you make a law that no man worship any other God, no man worship any other human being, they only worship you for the next 30 days. How about that, O king? Long live the king. And King Darius thought, yeah, yeah. That sounds good. Let's make that law. And they said, well, remember, when you make this law, you can't go back on it. You can't change it. Not even the king can change it. King Darius, we're good. Let's make that law. Daniel's co-workers went back to the king because they knew that Daniel would pray to our Lord and his Lord three times a day. Daniel knew of the law. He knew the dangers that it would be to pray to his God. But he continued to pray because he trusted his Lord. The co-workers went back to King Darius and they said, hey, this fellow over here, this Hebrew, he, he's been praying to his God. And they reminded the king that he had to, to do something with the violator, Daniel. 
And the punishment was to be thrown into a, a lion's den. But King Darius, he called Daniel to him, or they brought Daniel to him. And he liked Daniel. As I mentioned earlier, he was going to give him a, a, a promotion. He was already of high position, and he did his job well. And then and Darius, King Darius was heartbroken. In Daniel 6, it says, Then the men went as a group to, Dar to King Darius and said to him, Remember, remember your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issued can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, may your God whom you serve continually, may he rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of the nobles. And that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating. And without any entertainment being brought to him, he couldn't sleep. And at the first light of dawn, guess where King Darius went? He got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called out to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, Daniel, servant of God, Servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And in verse 21, Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions, and they have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel up out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Amen. There was a young girl in Sunday school Dr. David Jeremiah was telling the story, and, and the Sunday school teacher asked this young girl, why didn't the lion eat Daniel? And she replied, because the lion of Judah was in that lion's den with Daniel, and he rescued him. And the lion of Judah is Jesus Christ. Have you invited Jesus Christ into your lion's den? When the world is after you, and temptation is real, and troubles are real, have you invited Jesus Christ into your lion's den to rescue you? Not all prayers are answered the way that we want them to be answered. Many times we pray and we don't get the answer we want. But where is your trust in that? Is your trust conditional? Oh, God, if you answer the prayers the way that I want you, yes, then I'll trust you. Yes, I'll have faith in you. Is that really trust? No. Is that really faith? No. We can't put a condition upon it. 
the things that happen to us, we're not, we're not void of issues because we're Christians. We're not void of things happening to us because we're Christian. Matter of fact, Jesus said, you can expect trials and tribulations in this life. You can expect that. But what's different from you and me and the world is that we can cry out to a God who loves us and cares for us and will give us the peace and the comfort that we need. Although the storm may not be calmed in our lives, he'll calm his child. Amen? I've seen it happen to many of you. And it's happened to me and in my life and my family's life. We don't always get the answers that we want in our life. But God says, trust me. Trust me. I want to tell you a story that did and has had a happy ending. I'm not sorry for my emotions, but bear with me in these emotions. But it's about our little girl, Lily, that was singing right there a while ago. When she was about 10, 11, 12 years old, she had a horse tied out on a fence at the stable there at the house. She walked between the stable, the fence, the panel, and the horse. And these, these panels, these planks of wood were creosoted wood, post, and the rails, three rails. She had a little squeaky toy, and she got up in front of the, the horse and whee, squeaked it. And the horse got scared and backed up. And when it backed up, it brought the fence, the corral, the whole thing over on top of her. I was out in front of the house, and Lindsay was with Lily. I heard and I saw what was going on. Although it was a good ways away, I hollered out at Lindsay. I said, is, is everything okay? Lindsay, no, it's not okay. I run out there only to find Lily in a seizure, blood coming from her nose, from her mouth, Seizing on the ground in the dirt, all bloody and messed up. I run. I got Cheryl. We run out there. Got the boys, her brothers. We all run out there. <laughs> and I got my phone and I called 911. A Christian brother that used to go to this church, he answered the phone. He said, hey, Brother Charlie, <laughs> I called 911. I told him quickly what had happened. I said, Lily's in trouble. She needs prayer. Pray, pray, pray. We need prayer right now. Bye. I called 911 again, and I got the operator. 
I told her what was going on and what a helpless feeling I had. I was put, we were put in a situation where we could do nothing we felt to help. I began to pray. I sent Chase to the road. You flag down the ambulance and you bring them up here to the, to the pens. Cody and Lindsay got a sheet. It was in the middle of the summer and it was hot. And they held a sheet up to shade Lily and to shade Cheryl as she was there on the ground with Lily. Lily was still seizing and bleeding. My giant was huge at that time. I could do nothing. The water from the lake was certainly in my boat, and I was getting swamped. But we cried out to God. I called another church friend, a couple that was in my Sunday school, and I told them what was going on. I said, pray, pray. They got the word out on Facebook, and God went to work. Through time, as the days went on, we found out more and more information of what God was up to and what God was doing. When word got out, I found out later, Miss Joanne Van Winkle had told me, she said, when I got the word, Charlie, I want you to know I was in a bookstore in San Antonio. And if you know Miss Van Winkle, she's a prayer warrior. And there was people there around her, and she said, Y'all got to get out of the way. Get out of the way. This is my spot because I need to pray. And she said, I got down on my knees and I prayed. And there were people all over praying. The second ambulance, the first ambulance showed up. The second ambulance showed up. And I saw a helicopter in the air. We found out that one of our friends that used to go to this church, Larry Lewis, was on that helicopter. He was a flight nurse, and he said, we had just lifted up from San Antonio, and we were headed to Kerrville. And we heard this call go out, and they thought, maybe we better start angling over to Castroville. He didn't know it was us. We didn't know it was him. That's God. He got the call. Hey, we need you outside of Castroville. He landed that. They landed that helicopter. <laughs> Ambulance had, folks, the EMTs had put Lily on a gurney. She had stopped season. Put her on a gurney. Took her to the helicopter. Cheryl got on the helicopter with her. And they took off to the hospital. Before they left, Cheryl turned to me. She said, she's going to be okay. We got to the hospital. People, church people started coming. 
a doctor friend of mine came. The pastor and his wife came. Friends came. Lily's friends came. Little girl parents brought child up there. And if you don't think that didn't make a difference in our lives, it did. A lifelong difference because of a church that cared and a church that loves. Brother Rodney said last week that we need community. We need church. We need church friends, brothers and sisters, and we have them. Praise God, we have them. Amen. Amen. Lily is fine, obviously, today. Praise God. But the giant at the time was huge. And we cried out to God. Is your hope in Christ? Is he your cornerstone? Is Christ your peace and comfort? I'm here to tell somebody that no power in hell, no scheme of man will ever pluck you from the hand of God. Amen. Jesus said, get in the boat and let's go to the other side. But I can't pay my bills. Jesus said, get in the boat and let's go to the other side. But my relationships are broken. Jesus said, get in the boat and let's go to the other side. I didn't get that job that I wanted. Jesus said, get in the boat and let's go to the other side. I have a bad doctor's report, and I don't know what's going to happen. Jesus said, get in the boat and let's go to the other side. I have a bad habit. And I can't stop. Jesus said, get in the boat and let's go to the other side. But I'm lonely and I'm single. And I don't know what my future holds. Jesus said, get in the boat and let's go to the other side. Life is not fair. And people don't love me. But Jesus said... I love you. I love you. Get in my boat and let me take you to the other side. My friend, if, if you're not a Christian, I can't think of a better day than today to become a Christian. That means that you put your trust and your faith in Christ. Believing that he died on the cross for you and for me and died for your sins. And you give him your all. You come as you are. You can't clean yourself up good enough to come to Christ. You come as you are and he'll clean you up. If you're looking for a church home, you'll find none better than right here. You belong here. You're wanted here. And I promise you, you'll be loved here. But if you're not a Christian, 
You're not even up to bat yet. If you need prayer today, come forward and receive prayer. There will be folks in the back. There will be folks here. If you want to join the church, come forward. If you want to accept Christ, come forward. No one here will ridicule you. No one here will make fun of you. I promise you that. They'll accept you and love you. Get in the boat with Jesus and let him take you to the other side. Let's pray.